Triple M Footy lives on Listener. Thanks to McDonald's and Ream Hot Water. Welcome to Triple M's Saturday Scrum. This is what it's about, my friends. This is what it's about. We <laughs> sit at Blue Bet Stadium, home of the Panthers, where 20,500 fans will pack in here this afternoon. Five past four, kickoff the qualifying final. The Panthers taking on the Warriors on what is an absolutely brilliant day for rugby league. 17 degrees for kickoff. Uh, not a cloud in the sky, just a gentle, gentle breeze, Dave Riccio. It doesn't get any better than that. It does, does it? not get any better than this, Tone. And oh. we will talk about suburban stadiums for semi finals a little bit later on, but mm-hmm. honestly, mate, I would rather be, not rather be anywhere else. You would not rather be anywhere else. Yes. I'm not sure that's what I'd rather, rather not I'd, be. Yeah. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. Well, yeah. I, I'd lo- I, I'm happy I'm here. <laughs> I'm happy you're here too. And you, Kurtz, this is the place where yeah. you've played a lot of footy. Yeah, there's nothing nothing like being out in the Golden West for a semi-final yes. at Punishment Park, as they used to call it. So <laughs> um, the conditions are, are fantastic. As you said, there's going to be a big crowd and I think the... The locals will put on an absolute show this afternoon. They've just been building nicely, haven't they, after that performance last week against the Cowboys. And I think there'll be some nervous Warriors fans around and hopefully they can uh, they can put their best foot forward. But they've got some uh, some issues to overcome today, the Warriors, and uh, it's not the best place, Benny, to go when you've got a few chinks in your armour. Yeah, I think just the momentum um, that they had leading towards the final and then, you know, that, that loss... Um... <laughs> Yeah, the loss to the Dolphins would have put a little bit of uh, reality in them. and But then just Sean Johnson out, I mean, man, the the young players in that side who haven't played much finals, that would really affect them to have to go to Penrith. And, yeah, they say it's a calf injury. And from my experience, you know, you very rarely do you have a, a one-week calf or a two-week calf. Is yeah, it? Well, look at Adam Reynolds. Yeah. So, Sam, Kerr, think, yeah. Sam Kerr, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's yeah. just a real worry for their whole campaign, to be honest, going forward. Mm. I saw uh, the great man Joe Johns this morning. He said Penrith by 40. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, he never wanted to uh, back away from a statement. <laughs> See you, Joey. Uh, look, there's so much great stuff to talk about. Uh, obviously, the finals kicked off last night, 26-0 to the Broncos. They did uh, put down a marker for the rest of the competition, didn't they? But we'll get to that game next. But Dave Riccio, the big story out of there, which was shattering for all who are at the game and who are watching on TV, and certainly for the man himself, Ryan Pappenhausen. What's the story? Yeah, absolutely devastating uh, wasn't it, guys, just as far as the visual element of watching Robert Ryan Pappenhausen uh, scream in pain. I can tell you that, guys, uh, Pappenhausen has undergone surgery uh, in a Brisbane hospital. He has had six screws and a plate insert, inserted into that ankle fracture. Clearly, uh, this is going to be a long-term uh, recovery process. Now, the, the Melbourne Storm have confirmed that uh, he will be back next season. They, they, I mean, they're just adamant that... Uh, Ryan is going to get all the support and rehab and not mental support too. Like yeah. this is this is a significant blow for a guy that uh, was only three games back from a uh, a shattered kneecap uh, and then to suffer such a significant injury. Now um, he talked last week when you talk about that uh, post game and was talking about the 
the dark spaces that he'd gone to in that recovery. So that's what it must be so... Just to see him and, and the tear in his eye, I had a tear in my eye, and, and, and see very, yeah. the other players around the side, Payne Haas with his head in his hands, just knowing the gravity yes. of that moment, and not just that moment, but how that moment now stretches until he does get back onto the park. Yeah. Three or four weeks uh, he's been back after that injury, as you say, and he had to go to the depths to recover. Uh, it's such a... A fraught thing, guys. You've been through injury, but to have that back on back, bruise on bruise, yeah. the impact is massive, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, as a footy player, sometimes you, you can go through a surgery and, and recover and, and then bang, it, it happens straight away again and before you can really have a good run of a couple of years. And um, look, I reckon the mental um, sort of fortitude he's had to have to get through this first one's going to mm. help him for the second one. I reckon he's prepared. Yeah, he knows, okay, this is what I'm going to do. These are the hiccups I had in my last rehab, and I'm going to make sure I hit the ground running. You know, rugby league players are very resilient, and I think he's definitely going to be back. Um, But just, yeah, hard to see, you know, he'd be thinking about all those months that he spent trying to rehabilitate and get back on the field. And I watched him come through the Queensland Cup as he was building his confidence. I still didn't think he was back running with yeah. the same purpose that he that he had in the past, but he was building to something and then to be um, knocked out again with injury, it's, it's sad. And I think it's also, Tony, the uniqueness of some of the injuries that he's had. The last yeah. one, what was it, a shattered kneecap? And then, yep. you know, an injury like we see last night, like... Um, you know, you see lots of people get in awkward situations on a weekly basis, you know, and it just for that to happen to him again, do you think, Benny, it's got something to do with his genetics? Do you yeah. think it? yeah? It, 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 because I, I, how, how come it seems to happen to, you know, you see these guys sometimes yeah. they just get injury upon injury upon injury. Yeah, I think like, you know, throughout the NRL, you always see guys who have the shoulder reco. You know, everyone gets a shoulder reco. Everyone has the ACL or the syndesmosis. They're sort of the, the go-to injuries. But then... Yeah, every now and again you play with these players that seem to always have real unique ones. And, you know, talking to a lot of uh, physios and medical people, sometimes it is down to the genetics and how their body's put together, especially around their joints. Some guys have really loose capsules and stuff, and unfortunately they're the ones that end up suffering those real major injuries quite regularly. Although they didn't didn't really get a good look at the incident, Tane. I think Big Nelson fell on the bottom half of his yeah. leg. So that's yep. about 125 kilos. I don't know if there's too many guys walking away from a situation like that, to be honest. so that That's true. And that would make it really difficult if you, you mentioned genetics, those kinds of idea, if you're predisposed to that sort of injury, that makes the recovery even harder, doesn't it? If you're thinking, is this something that's going to be a recurring pattern for me? Oh, look, there's no two ways about it. It's, it's absolutely devastating for... I think it's devastating for the game. Yeah. Not just Melbourne Storm and Ryan Pappenhausen, but for the game. There's not too many players in this game, and this is why we get so excited around Reese Walsh. There's only a handful of players that we that that you don't have to be a Melbourne Storm supporter to support Ryan Pappenhausen. He's just a joy to watch, and that's where I oh, look. Mm. I mean, covering the game for for you know twenty odd years now, I, I can't recall a player having a tear running down his eye. Yeah. Um, in the in the process of such a, a significant injury, it, ju- it was just heartbreaking to watch. Um, uh, as I said, undergone surgery for an ankle fracture. Six screws and a plate have been inserted into that uh, repair job. Was it a compound fracture it or not? Was, it, it wasn't a compound fracture. No, it wasn't. No, no it wasn't. Yeah. No. Oh, I just thought they might have had to wait a little while for some of the inflammation to go down, Dave. I'm really surprised that they got in straight away and he's had the procedure already. Yeah, look, not a doctor, Gertz, but... Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And the fact that they did it up here as well, as opposed to waiting until he got back to Melbourne, where obviously he could have used their own people. Yeah. Look, there's there's very good surgeons up up here in Brisbane, and I think sometimes um, a lot of that would have to do with the flight. So I know in previous times, when a player has a very significant injury, the best situation is to get to hospital straight away and get it done and almost rest and recover yeah. and not jump on a plane because if he was to jump on a plane tomorrow and get to Melbourne, by the time he gets off the plane, like the swelling, yeah. it, it adds it all types readjusted, of... Right? Yeah, it adds all types position. of complications to the surgery. So yeah. the best thing is to just get it done. Uh, are the only injury out of last night? No, no it wasn't. This is, a, like, this is a major casualty ward that is mounting for the Melbourne Storm, not yeah. only with... Ryan Pappenhausen, Xavier Coates yep. uh, has gone for scans on a on a potential syndesmosis, syndesmosis ankle injury. Hopefully that's not the case and he does get a pro- promising result. He was in a lot of pain as he, well, he, he? He, yeah. he couldn't walk. Yeah. He couldn't mm. walk. So he's clearly in massive doubt. Uh, look, without any confirmation from the NRL whatsoever, me only doing, uh, you know, uh, 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 having a look at the way historically games have unfolded, I expect the Melbourne Storm to play next Friday night. Uh, yep. against either the Sharks or the Roosters. And so that would be a short turnaround for Xavier Coates on that ankle. But as I said, mm. scans there. It leads to this situation too. HIA uh, issues for Marion Sevy, Trent Liero, young Tom and Peter, yeah. Tom and, Peter mm-hmm. and Tom Eisenhuth all went for HIAs. They'll be assessed into the, into the equation now for the Melbourne Storm come the likes of Justin Olam, Remus Smith, Grant Anderson and Suafar uh, Longo. The young yeah, gun. Bad. That's not talent. bad. So yeah. those guys, all those guys will now be uh, on Craig Bellamy's radar depending on the results of, of that casualty ward. To be honest, boys, I'm, I was kind of shocked that they weren't there already, you know, going into yeah. that game last night. The the form of Olam over the last couple of weeks, we all saw him last week. Benny, I know that he's been playing against your boys for a couple of weeks and I'm not sure what's happened and, and why the fallout's there. But, you know, that, that right edge... Uh, for the Melbourne Storm last night, um, we saw that, you know, oh, that was the left edge actually, but we just know what he does mm. in a defensive line. Um, we keeps you guessing, doesn't he? You, you, as an guys attacker, just don't want to go down that channel. No, you're, you're worried about Olam getting into your ribs at yep. the end of the day. But, you know, I watched your prediction um, pre-game and you spoke about that the edges might be exposed and that's exactly what happened. I just think uh, young Tonomapea had a tough time uh, last night, and I think Olin would have put some type of different energy on that edge. And yep. you know, yeah, he can make the wrong decisions sometimes, but when he gets it right, you're going to pay. And I think there wasn't enough fair that fair factor there for the Broncos to go down that edge. So when you, when you mentioned that Justin Olin and Remus Smith are coming in, yeah, <laughs> not bad, uh, not bad at all. As we sit waiting here at Blue Bet Stadium for the qualifying final, the Panthers taking on the Warriors. Five past four is a kickoff already. The Broncos are into the prelim with their 26 nil win over the Storm. What 14 year hoodoo doesn't exist, Ben? Well, outstanding. I know uh, Dobbo was down there with the Rush Hour team, Liam and Liesl Jones, and they they did they got a witch down there at what? some point. Yeah, they got a witch down there, and they were trying to scare away all the bad vibes and the bad energy. It and they, uh, they, they They lit some incense, and they did some wow. dances, and, and look, it, it was a like awesome. Friday night at my place. You know, and I, I just really, I, I couldn't believe that record that the Storm came up here with. You know, I was in the last team that beat the Storm, and, you know, that was in 2009. Mm. So yeah. they've had a, a great time coming up here and to watch the first five minutes of that game 
I think Brisbane wanted to send the message loud and clear that tonight you, that's not happening. Mm. And, you know, just the first set, the first set from Brisbane, you know, Melbourne for the first 10 minutes I felt like couldn't get out of their own 30 metres. Yeah. And they were just getting bashed. And I sort of, when Nick Meany dropped that high ball, Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, they, sh- they showed it in slow-mo. He didn't even get it close to his body. I just thought to myself, it's on tonight. Mm. Uh, the Broncos are on and Adam Reynolds was, you know, th- they didn't score from it. But did you see when he put that left foot kick yeah. to the corner? Yep. He shaped up. He couldn't get on his right. He put it on his left. I mean, Adam Reynolds is just pulling the strings like he's Tom Brady at the moment. Yeah. I played with Reno. You know, we played at South together. And at that stage, he was a young guy. And he was a great kicker of the footy. So his job was Adam, kick the ball, the corners, chase, and he was a very strong defender. But now, like, I mean, just watching him evolve and just lead this young group around, it's, it's exciting to see. Yeah, he had a couple of moments, didn't he, especially defensively, like that, that tackle on Coates. Yeah. Uh, just dislodging the football, like, while no one's looking. The dropout? The dropout. Oh, my God. I think it was the next play, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. just those moments, you know, and, and Dave, you spoke about it earlier, that, like, the reason they brought him to the club was exactly for what he did last night. Um, I thought they were a little bit off with the football, like, they're attacking the, the weather... Uh, turned about 10 or 15 minutes before the, the, the game started. Um, the storm it, came in. And the storm came in, and it did, and it really affected, I think, the way that the Broncos couldn't find their flow. But we always talk about, you know, defence winning premierships, and they showed last night that, that they can defend with any team in the competition. Intense for long periods, um, and that's what they're going to need to do. And unfortunately, they couldn't put the Melbourne Storm... Like, they, they just couldn't put them away. There was, they should have gone in at halftime, maybe about another, you know, eight or ten points ahead. But their t- attack just wasn't gelling. And Melbourne Storm are just one of those teams where sometimes you're like, you're, you know, the Storm aren't the best team in the competition, but they're winning the game. Yeah. And they win more games like that than any other team. And I thought, they're close enough now. And if the Broncos don't come out with the right attitude at halftime, they think they've done enough. I can see the Melbourne Storm just finding a way. But, yeah, they were relentless defensively yeah. in the second half, and that's what did it for them. Uh, boys, boys, I don't want this to come out in a negative tone and, and disrespectful <laughs> to Kevy Walters. But I'm really intrigued. Benny, you have relationships yeah. at the Broncos. I can't get away from the fact that how much input Adam Reynolds is having on this side. And I, I feel as though, yeah, you know, there was those turbulent years under Kevy and it's probably needed an experienced hand. And almost, oh, the way I see it, I see Adam Reynolds as a second coach. I mm. see him as a second coach out on the footy field who, who Kevy Walters needs. And I'm saying that with the greatest of respect because you, a head coach can't keep a collective group humming like they are if you, if you aren't a quality coach. But yeah, I, just I, think, I just think the Reynolds involvement and, and signing is absolutely telling. And, I, and, and this is no grand statement. I just don't think they'd be here without him. No, well, no, they, they wouldn't be here without him. But, yeah. but also, like, you know, a lot of pieces of the puzzle have just fallen into place from a lot of these young players who were real athletes um, in the years that they were struggling. They were still knocking up their games and getting experience. And, you know, Reese Walsh leaving the Warriors and coming... Uh, to the Broncos. But I think the best part about Kevy is he's the facilitator. And he's smart enough, he's, he's won enough in his career to understand sometimes you just need to get out of the way. And he would definitely be getting out of the way. Adam mm. Reynolds knows exactly what he's good at. He knows what he's got around him. 
And if he is running the attack with uh, Lee Breers, who's a very good coach in himself, then that's his job. And I think, yeah, I'd give as much responsibility to Adam Reynolds as he yeah. wants. And and, and would um, did did Craig Bellamy need Cameron Smith? Because you can you know you yeah. could compare yeah. that relationship as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Like he I'm came a- in in two thousand and three, and Craig Bellamy was just starting out. And I'm sure by three or four years in, Cameron Smith yeah. was the guy that was running the sessions, holding the standards. So yeah. I look yeah. at it this way as well, Dave. You know, is Look at the individuals in that team and, to, you know, other other players that have been in other systems recently and is Kevy getting the best out of all of those individuals? Yeah. Mm. And he yep. is. Yep. You, know, you know, the best way I would describe Kevy is um, infectious, you know, infectious positivity. And I think the best thing he's done is exactly that. He's got every single individual player humming at, and they want to be a part of it and he's he's grabbed a little bit of the old school with the old boys and the culture and, and he's brought in all these new players and he's gelling them together. And I, I, I'm looking now at the Broncos job and I'm thinking, I can't see anyone else doing the job that he's done and just putting to bed all the noise because it was a tough gig up here for mm. anyone who's come to coach the Broncos with yeah. the old boys and, and a lot of the noise that they create. There's not a you, you can't hear anything at mm. the moment. It's just silence because they're all Kevy's mates. Mm. So they just shut their mouths and but enjoy Benny, the game with everyone else. But <laughs> Benny, do you think Kevy do you think Kevy changed on the back of that turbulence about what you're talking about about pulling back, about not being in the players' faces and trying to be overbearing with with a game plan through those turbulent years and maybe uh, those learnings that uh, we're seeing the fruits of now. Oh, I think he was probably, uh, from my understanding, he was always giving them um, a lot of input to the game plan. I think what he did first and foremost is he cleaned out the joint. He cleaned out some staff and he cleaned out some players. He brought in some new people. I don't think his coaching's changed too much, but you know maybe he is leaning on his assistants a lot more and his senior players. Um, but, yeah, I think he's just doing what he has to at the moment to get the best result. But I think you also learn that as you go, don't you, Benny? Yeah. Like, you understand what's what's the most important thing. And the most important thing these days is man management, right? Yeah. He's having all these guys have an understanding of what's going on away from training, what's going on to, that could possibly affect what they're doing on a weekly basis. How important is that? How much time do I give to that well, as opposed to the X's and the O's, which yeah. he's got other guys to do? Well, the perfect example I saw was, you know, Kevy was doing an, uh, a pre-game interview on TV um, last night and Reese Walsh come up behind him and, and ripped his, head, his headset off and had a little laugh and a joke. Now, to see that little interaction there, you know, I was at the Broncos when Reese Walsh left and that definitely wasn't the interactions between Kevin Walters and Reese Walsh at the time. <laughs> um, but just to see that now, that, that's one of the positives of Kevy is he can mend relationships. And, and it's awesome to see them humming along together as star player and star coach. It's, it's and, great to see. And Dave, yeah. he, also, he also was the one that, um, that signed off on bringing Adam Reynolds to the club. That was a risk, right? Yep. Yeah. He flew like, to it was, Sydney. I thought that he flew was a risk. Sydney for a mo- yeah, was, yeah. That, that's credit to Kevy. He, he put yeah, the hard absolutely. yards on to get yeah. He, over the line. He was riding Adam Reynolds as he was trying to score that try in the corner last night. <laughs> running, 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 <laughs> running, and the try line getting further and further away. There was 55,000 <laughs> riding him <laughs> at the stadium, Tony. It was <laughs> hilarious. That, that was slightly too heavy for him because he just didn't quite get there. But he, he was brilliant. We mentioned Reese Walsh. I mean, he didn't have, he didn't grab the game completely, but he had those moments that are important where he made that impact. He scored that try, just quick lightning on the outside. He, the give for Jordan Ricky's try as well. So he, he, he yep. grabbed his moments. 
You know, you know what he did last night, Reese Walsh, and um, you know, watching the game up uh, in in Brisbane and and calling it. Um, he put a lot of the Melbourne Storm players off their game. Like, I thought last night Cameron Munster ran around just trying to get under Reese's Walsh's skin. Mm. And Reese was kind of happy to play that part. He loves that. <laughs> and he the loves that. But it didn't put him off his own game. But there was a few guys in the Melbourne Storm, as soon as they got frustrated, they wanted to target and they put it all on Reese Walsh. And he played that role brilliantly, I thought. Yeah. Hey, boys, we now look to the Broncos moving to a preliminary final. Now, all the players I've ever spoken to talk about how the prelim final is arguably a tougher game than the grand final as far as pressure, as far as yep. mentally getting you pre- prepared for it, as far as not thinking, you know, the next 80 minutes is my life. Like how, how significant is a prelim for the Broncos and how do they handle that pressure? Well, yeah, you know, as Jesse Arthur's, um, you know, talked about earlier, a lot of the players haven't been there. And, you know, having that first final at home, that, that's exciting. There's a lot of nerves. But when you get to those prelims, you know, it's right there, eh? You know, just the next week, it's right there, that grand final, your dreams, all those things. But you just got to stay focused on the task. And, you know, I would agree with most players there that the prelim to me is just so important because once you get to grand final, yeah, you're enjoying the week and you're wrapped up in it. But there's so much heartbreak that comes with the prelim. There's so much heartbreak not being able to get to the grand final. Yeah. We can talk more about Brisbane. Let's uh, just again on the storm, like to hear from Craig Bell. I mean, I was watching, uh, there was one moment late in the game and he was absolutely going off in the rooms. He was also clearly devastated by what happened with Ryan Pappenhausen. Just have a little listen to uh, Craig Bellamy from last night. Our first half was, was really poor. You know, we done really well to just be 8-0 at halftime. You know, it could have been 20-0 at halftime, you know. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time we, we attacked as poorly as we did tonight. And again, like I say, obviously some of that was due to the Broncos' good defence, without a doubt. Uh, but like I say, uh, we just looked like we were 17 players who got th- thrown together on the night and, you know, good luck. You know, that's, yeah, like I say, we've been scoring plenty of points the last, you know, probably four or six weeks, you know. Um, and our attack's been humming along okay, you know, but tonight, geez, like I say, it just looked like we, we'd only met each other in the dressing room before the game, you know. So that's one thing we'll, we'll need to look at uh, during the week. Storm coach Craig Bellamy there. So now they go the long way around, uh, and it's tough for them because with the injuries and so on, uh, they have to do something and do it swiftly. Yeah, they're going to have to flick a switch, up, guys. Uh, um, I couldn't believe how – well, I could believe, to be fair. I could believe how uh, damning Cameron Munster was of, his, of he and his spine's performance. He, 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 he slammed them, and, and rightly so. I mean, their, their possession, they only had 46% of the ball. But here's the catch, guys. They had, 30, they had 32 play the balls inside the Broncos, 20. The Broncos only had 20 play the balls. So they mm-hmm. had opportunities. They had yep. a lot of opportunities, but it was a dog's breakfast as far as their attack is concerned. Yeah, they just... They... <sighs> They were really ill-disciplined, and usually Melbourne this time of year, they kind of flick the switch. And I thought, coming into the game against the Broncos, um, if, you, if you sort of look at the rosters man-on-man, you, you probably know that you're just a little bit behind the eight ball, so what do you need to do? You need to make sure that you're disciplined and you, be, you, know, you play with the attitude of, okay, if we need to win in the 75th minute, that's, the, that's what we're going to win. We're playing at Suncorp. There's going to be 50,000 people there. The Broncos are red hot, so we just need to find a way to pull the Broncos into our style of game. 
And I just thought that they were so ill-disciplined last night. The amount of times that they just let the Broncos off the hook because the Broncos were dropping a fair bit of ball. Uh, and every time the Broncos had dropped the football, you know, the Melbourne Storm, would they'd find a way, like, to get a poor kick away. Yeah. Or they would give their own penalty away and they compound it then with, a, with an error. And then it was like they just... They just didn't allow themselves any sort of opportunity to find their rhythm, the Melbourne Storm, and that's what they are. They're a side that, that like, as soon as they get a little bit of the, that momentum, they can really bully teams. But, yeah, just on the back of their real discipline last night, yeah, there was no connection with their attack. Defensively, they came with a plan for the edges to rush up and really put pressure on the, on the Broncos on their shifts, and it actually worked on a few occasions. But how many opportunities are you going to give the Broncos before they actually connect? And that was the problem for the Storm. I thought they came up with a with a strategy that was actually quite effective, but you can only do it so many times. Yeah. And then at some point, as we saw Walsh, it was it wasn't until the real second half that it, they started cracking it open. But when they cracked it open, the damage had been done early, and they just ran away with with the contest. Tony Squires, Ryan Girdler, Ben Teo, David Riccio, coming to you from Blue Bet Stadium. Four oh five is the kickoff, the qualifying final. The Panthers here at home taking on the Warriors on an absolutely picture perfect. Sydney uh, day at the foot of the mountains, 19 degrees as we speak, uh, 17, 18 by the time kickoff comes around. Uh, lots going on on the field in front of us at the moment. Lots of preparation goes into what will be a spectacular game and full of uh, mainly Panthers supporters, I would say. Uh, Ryan Girdler, Damien, uh, sorry, Benny Tia, let's talk a little bit about this game then this afternoon. I guess the big story is Sean Johnson not being there with that calf muscle. Well, it's a huge story, Tone. Um, he's probably he's been the, probably arguably the form player of the competition. Yeah. Yep. Um, the experience that he brings, um, the leadership that he brings, uh, going into a, a, a pretty uh, volatile sort of situation down there, playing away from home in a, in a final series that I don't know the last time the Warriors have been involved in a finals campaign. So he's the kind of guy that you really need you know, leading you out onto the field and getting you around the park because when you play Penrith, what you need to do is you need to make sure you get the fundamentals right and your kicking game is just key to that. The back end of your sets and everything needs to be perfect um, for you to sort of stay in the contest and and he would have bought that for him. It's not just about uh, Sean being out. It's about, you know, who, who do they have in their system that can come in and do something um, just to help their cause today and and I think they, they're probably going to look at someone like uh, Dylan Walker, yeah. again, who's been sort of playing a fair bit in the middle, has limited experience in the halves, and that'll push to Murray Martin, who's only two games back from injury, into that sort of on-ball role, which is going to make it really difficult for him. So it's a massive out, Benny. Yeah, massive. Uh, you know, the question is, what, what can the Warriors do? I, I you know, personally believe there's not much that they can do, to be honest, going to play Penrith and... You talk about Dylan Walker, I always think his best position has been as a centre, um, but he's he's doing a lot of ball playing around the middle. But when when you lose Sean, just the way that the confidence that he gives his team that he can come up with some points, um, to not have that now, I really think they're going to struggle with just the psychology of it. And, and they also know too that they're going to go there. It's a tough ask without Sean. And if they, they can't get it done, which is most likely, they still get to they go get home. The second, yeah. They get to go home. Yeah. And, and that's where I think um, it's important that if they do lose the game, that they lose with some really good fight and some real um, good defensive efforts. Because I think what they leaked, I know it was their second team, but what they leaked versus the Dolphins just wasn't a good 
um, set up for the finals. They need to take some momentum out of this game yeah. regardless of the scoreline. Absolutely, yeah. Well, trying to score points is going to be difficult, obviously. We're a pen side who won't give up 13 points a game, uh, 14 or less for the past four seasons. Yep. It's just ridiculous. Just, uh, just on Johnson, look, it, it's, a, it's a calf... Uh, minor end of a strain, OK? So I've just got great concerns on whether he plays next week anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, Dylan Walker will definitely play in the halves alongside Tamari Martin. He's been named there. Bunty Afoa is now the new name on the bench for the Warriors. Now, Dylan's played four games in the halves this season at 5-8 for one win, and it was against the Cowboys. Ironically, uh, his most recent performance at 5-8 was against the Panthers. He played there with Johnson earlier this year. The, the Warriors lost that game 18-6. Now, uh, I firmly believe they'll look to that game as some type of uh, level and platform for them to to know that at at 18-6, and there were a couple of crucial calls that went against the Warriors in that game, they will use as motivation to believe that they can go Mm. and uh, create one of the great upsets this afternoon. But it's it's a monumental blow. But my real concern, and we will have uh, Warriors CEO Cameron George on the show a little later on, Uh, I'm keen to see what odds... Sean Johnson is to play next week. Yeah, we need Key. some clarification on what grade he's got, what type of calf injury. Mm. Yep. <laughs> we'll see if he'll be. Yeah, he'll do that with us, Cameron George, <laughs> later on. Yeah. You ask the question, Benny. See yeah, how you I go. will. <laughs> uh, of course, the other one is uh, Isaac Tongo. He's gone. Is it going to be Peachy who will come into the uh, centres? That's right. So yeah, it's it's a pec-related injury. Now the Panthers have kept this a little bit cute as far as the significance or severity of it at this point in time for Isaac Tongo. It was suffered at training earlier this week. Tyrone Peachy, experienced hand, comes into the centre position, and it's Jamin Salmon. Uh, who has had success in the in the biggest games for the Panthers in the past? He comes onto the interchange bench. I think the thing they have going for him going into this afternoon is is the is the coach Andrew Webster. I mean, he's been in that system. He knows how they would prepare for this. He knows uh, what it's going to look like from you know the the Penrith perspective. So at least he's got some sort of insight. And then if he doesn't really know. Um, you know, how to beat the Panthers out there at Bluebet Stadium. Just give Brad Arthur a call. The Ewers oh, yeah, did yeah, a great yes. job on him two weeks ago. I'd yeah. been looking at that tape. And what was it about what Parramatta did on that night against pretty much a full-strength Penrith side uh, that really rattled their cage? Yeah, I, I love it. Wouldn't it be great if there was that kind of sharing if we looked up at the coach's box and there he was? <laughs> <laughs> the other day there was a, a little survey about the most intelligent uh, Panel shows, uh, and this radio show actually came first, um, which we'll yeah. test again now with the brain power of these three gentlemen as we have a little bit of this action. Welcome to Tony's Spotting Quiz. Smartest in the Southern Hemisphere, I think it was. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. Absolutely. Ben's looking very good with those, gla- those sunnies. Mm. Talk me through those sunglasses. They're, they're my smart glasses. Smart glass. Yeah, well, things haven't been going well for me with these quizzes. I struggled to even get a, an answer in, so I just thought I'm going to give something else to go. Yeah, no, well, the glasses do. They add a few yeah. IQ points. Mm. Add a few IQ points. I'm ready. All right, let's see how you go. Well, you have to use the names as your buzzers. If you wouldn't mind testing those for me, please. Ricky O. Skipper. Oh. T.O. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Question number one. How many assists did Andrew Abde say Dylan Edwards had made? Ricky Yes, Ricky 146? No. Anyone want to get, try to get closer to the 146? 194. Oh, I'll take that. It was 193, followed by that. Ooh. Phenomenally, yeah. said. Obviously, nobody knows what those assists actually were. 
you give someone a lift to training, apparently it's an assist. <laughs> you help a teammate get a you know, tight-fitting jersey off, that's an assist. So he's got 193 of them. Beautiful teamwork. Who do the Wallabies play in their first World Cup match on Sunday? Uh, oh, oh, come on, on Benny Tio. You're kidding. Benny, you're kidding. For you. joking. Oh, you're joking. No. Oh. Not even in the pool. <laughs> These things don't work. Yeah, take the glasses yeah, off, even <laughs> Even, if I, give you a, even if, I, if I give you the hint, you won't get it. Uh, the, cap, oh, the, capital, the capital city of the country they are playing is Tbilisi. Anything? Oh, Georgia. Good. Well done. Ah. Well done. <laughs> of course, kicked off this morning with uh, France beating the All Blacks 29-13. Who'd have thought? First time they've ever lost a pool game. Whose name am I spelling backwards? No writing it down, please. <laughs> S-E-R-I. You, Q, Squires. Yes, Theo Squires. yes, I've always wanted to be in a quiz. Uh, <laughs> First well. time I've ever been a quiz question. Uh, question number four. What unusual thing did uh, an environmental protester do during a US Open tennis semifinal? Oh. oh. Recently? Well, yes, like... Yeah, uh, last week. Yeah, day before yesterday. They they glued their feet to the ground. Oh. Their own feet? Wow. Their own feet. Okay. So they couldn't be removed. Was it hard court or grass? <laughs> or clay? Or clay. 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 Good This guy with permanently dirty feet now. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time the Broncos beat Melbourne at Suncorp Stadium? Yeah. Oh, 2009. Oh, yes. Congratulations. Jeez, they ran that one. Yeah, that was brilliant. Name four Penrith legends whose names are on the Eastern Grandstand. Skipper. <laughs> yes, Skipper. Read um, them to me. Read them okay. to me. Okay, uh, Wessa. <laughs> You're reading his Gower. Gower. <laughs> yes. Oh, Gower no, the Grandstand. Gower, yeah. <laughs> Alexander, yep. Simmons. Yeah, keep, keep your yep. eyes closed. And Morgan. You, Mora, Moran. Moran. Graham, Sorry, Moran. Moran. <laughs> Moran. Moran. <laughs> Sorry, Graham. Well done. Uh, I love it. There, your quiz is. Ben Teo, I'm declaring you the winner. Mm, Stick around. So time. much to come. Ryan Girdler is here. Ben Teo. My name is Tony Squires. And Dave Riccio uh, sits alongside me. Just going back on last night, 26-0. The Broncos over the Melbourne Storm. That hoodoo doesn't exist anymore. 2009, the last time uh, the Storm didn't win at Suncorp Stadium. Quite amazing. The Broncos, they are through to a preliminary final. Just the big story, Dave Riccio that came out of it uh, was, of course, Ryan Pappenhausen and that hideous injury. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. It was a significant injury and, and the entire game will now rally around Ryan Pappenhausen who has suffered a fractured, a fractured ankle. He has undergone surgery. He's had six screws and a plate inserted into that ankle fracture. Now, the Melbourne Storm have released via a statement communication that they are confident that he will be a 10 to 12-week recovery period for Ryan and that he will resume pre-season training uh, early next year. Gee, that's a good number, really, isn't it? 10 to 12 uh, Well, weeks. it is, it is. Uh, and look, ultimately, once we once we peel back all the emotion and the backstory of Ryan's, um, you know, tough few years, at the end of the day, it's a fracture. And so, yeah, there is confidence that, you know, a lot of players do come back from them and come back just as good as what they what they previously were. But that's the obviously the clearest concern. Xavier Coates is also a massive injury cloud. Uh, there is the potential of a syndesmosis injury here for... Xavier, which would uh, rule him out of next week's uh, semi-final, which would be an eliminator for the Melbourne Storm, but he has gone for scans to understand 
the severity of that. And also, too, just interestingly, no charges last night. None. Match Review Committee have come through with no charges. Let's skip forward a little bit and have a quick look at the, uh, the elimination final that we played later this evening. The Sharks taking on the Roosters. Craig Fitzgibbon taking on Trent Robinson. Uh, our relationship, obviously, at the Roosters. Uh, good mates as well. Just put on hold for a few days until this one's over. Master versus The Apprentice. Yep. It is, Tone. Uh, it should be a, a terrific matchup. And, and, look, I think as far as tipsters are concerned, this is a real difficult one to, to select. And it, it's all on the back of what has been a, a lot of momentum now for the Sydney Roosters coming into this match with a lot of confidence. While the Sharks, uh, they've been a difficult read um, all season long. They did do a, a, you know, put a, a good patch of footy together over the past month. They obviously lost two weeks ago to the Newcastle Knights. No Nico Hines in that Knights clash. Yep. And he came back in last week. And I thought I thought what I saw from the Sharks-Raiders match last week was two sides just waiting to get to the final series, almost protecting themselves. So, to some degree, it was quite boring football, to be honest. Um, and and that's, you know, I don't think we'll have that, that, that occasion tonight. I think we'll see two sides just absolutely go, go at each other. What are you looking yep. forward to, Benny? Yeah, I... Um... Just that word momentum, that's a word that I associate with the Sharks when they start a game really fast, you know, off the back of guys like Katoa, Ramian, Talakai getting in there, carrying the footy. They can really blow teams off the park. I think it's important that they've they've got their game, they've got it at home at Shark Park, that they come out red hot because if they don't and guys like, you know, Walker, you know, Sam Walker gets in the contest and he starts building his his confidence and Luke Carey, he's got a lot of experience in these big games. That's where it could get dangerous. But I'm, I'm going to go with the Sharks. I just think that, um, you know, 12 months they've been thinking about how, you know, it all went to crap really versus the Cowboys in the last final series and they just need to come out here and uh, take advantage of home home final. Luke Keary uh, and Sam Walker, Gertz, we've talked about this so much, a conversation about them during the year and Sam Walker obviously went uh, put back into reserve grade, then was injured, but he's come back and the combination and his pl- playing with uh, freedom around Luke leading around seems to work. Yeah, it's been great to see, hasn't it? I thought yeah. um, Drew Hutchinson did a really good job to sort of kick him off on this run. Uh, and I was actually a little bit surprised when they brought Sam Walker back in a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, it was a masterstroke by the coach. And uh, the only th- concern for me with the Roosters, I think they'll win today, but how long can they? Um, how long can their season be on the line for? It's almost been about six weeks now with this run. Every week it's like you're playing for your season. They had to rely on other results to go their way for them to get their way into the eight. There's no Hargreaves there today. Uh, Tupanu was out. Tupu's out. So they've still got some talent on the sidelines, and look, I think that momentum will get them through the game against the Sharks today, um, but I, how far into the finals, I just don't know, because they've been redlining now for like five or six weeks, and they did it kind of last year as well, didn't they? They yeah. they sort of worked their way into the final series, and I think it was South Sydney, was it, that yeah. sort of knocked them out, and they just looked exhausted and flat, um, and you've got other sides in there that have had the luxury of, of having weeks off and resting players and this time of year, no injuries, and they're all sort of, you know, doing their thing in the finals. And then you've got the Roosters that have just, you know, been pounding the door down, working really hard. Um, you know, few injuries come when you're playing like that. Suspension comes when you're playing like that. And at some point, I think it's all just going to add up. But I do think they'll, um, they'll probably be a little bit too good for the Sharks today. 
Boys, are you not concerned, and I appreciate what mo- the momentum is, and they've been victorious on each occasion, and they can only play what's in front of them, but are you not concerned about their form line on actually who they've been playing? If you actually go back and have a look at their wins in the run to this semi-final, it began with a win over Manly, mm. not, not featuring the finals. They then knocked over the Dolphins, not featuring the finals. They then knocked over Parramatta, no. Smashed the Tigers, no. And then last week against the South Sydney Rabbitohs, who, again, have been out of sorts. My only, that's my little bit of concern, um, that, that the form lines, yes, winning's great, but who have they been playing? Yeah, I would say that uh, it's the way that they've been playing, though, Dave. And I know that, obviously, they've been allowed to play uh, that way to a certain degree, but uh, it's just the confidence and the form that some of the individuals have found late in the season that I yep. think make them a dangerous proposition. Suwali'i. Yep. Uh, yep. We've seen Billy Smith now just been on the field for um, a long enough to really establish himself as a really good centre. We've got that a young Wong as well, that Lindsay Collins. The form of these individuals uh, is what's impressed me uh, about the Roosters. And you're right, with their, with their form line going in, it hasn't been great. Um, but I, I think with the Sharks, uh, I, I, their season was basically in limbo, wasn't it, five or yeah. six weeks ago? And I, and I reckon it was the return of Hamlin, ULA and Rudolph in the middle. Yeah. It, just, it just started yeah. the winning the battle and that just allowed some freedom to some of their outside backs. So I would say that neither one of these teams um, are going into this game um, having beaten, you know, a lot of uh, sides that are going to yeah. feature in the back end of the finals. Uh, and that's what I think makes it so interesting. Well, Gerd, it's an interesting point you about, make about Rudolph and Hamlin ULA because there's a significant blow here for the Sharks. Braden Hamlin ULA is out of this game. Um, he, he suffered a knee injury at training earlier this wow. week. Uh, he has been ruled out, and it's Jesse Colhoun, a young rookie forward who has been added to the interchange bench. So that'll, that'll really call upon who Gerd spoke about, Toby Rudolph, yep. who needs to be able to lead this side. Royce Hunt will now start in the front row with Rudolph. Um, but that's a blow. That's a blow for Cronulla because if the Sharks, it's a big blow. if the Sharks are want to, you know, be victorious, that they know that they have to go through the middle and stop the likes of Lindsay Collins, Brandon Smith, uh, and and without ULE, it'll be made all the more tougher. We had Toby Rudolph on the back page on Tuesday night. We have an uncanny history of people who appear winning that weekend. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, good strike rate, hey? Good strike awesome. rate. There's, there is my bold prediction, right? There is Joey Manu playing. What's he the, is playing. Look, there's a. I'm really intrigued. I'm really, really intrigued to see how Joey Manu performs tonight because we know it's a hamstring issue yeah. and he's missed one match. And what we know about soft tissue injuries is that they do, they, do, they linger. Yep. And is this a roll of the dice? Trent Robinson was quite uh, open and, and clear with the media yesterday in saying that Joey couldn't get on the training paddock last week. He couldn't get on the training paddock last week. He did have a good session earlier this week um, and yesterday a captain's run, but it's, uh, it's certainly not the ideal preparation for a hamstring injury. So I'm really intrigued to see how Joey Manu goes. Tony Squires, Ryan Girdler, Ben Teo and Dave Riccio with you. Question without notice for you, Ben Teo. I know that you, uh, David, actually wrote a story uh, about Ben uh, and the famous sandpit yes. in the training. So, I don't know, it was a punishment, but uh, levelling some teammate. Do you, do you recall what was going on, Benny, at all? No, I don't recall. I'd, I'd love some names, but I, I do L- remember. I, I wrote about it, Benny. Lungi Setu. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do remember oh, Lungy. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's funny. Yeah, we talk about the, the bulldogs on. the bulldogs yeah. and their and their punishment at the Broncos with Peter Ryan as a defense coach. He used to calculate how many missed tackles you had, and then uh, for each sort of missed tackle, whatever you had, a set of six in the sandpit where you'd get all the boys and they'd have to run straight at you and try and uh, whack them and make up for it. So, wow, yeah, those were the punishments mm. back then. Who was getting punished? The guy that was actually. Missing the tackles or the guy that had to run the guy that was yes. missing the tackles? Yeah, the four guys that made all their tackles had to <laughs> carry the footy up. <laughs> and you can't get much momentum going in the sand either. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I love it. All right, well, we're talking obviously there in the sideways way about the Bulldogs. What about recruitment there, Dave Ricker? What's going on? Uh, names like Blake Tuff, uh, Drew Hutchinson? Yeah, look, this is a... a, a a recruitment drive from the Bulldogs, ultimately they want to try and bring in a standard of footballer who have already, what, semi-made it in the NRL. Yep. For too long they've had players part of a losing culture at the Canterbury Bulldogs. And while, yes, they are largely utility players, they also come from uh, pretty strong backgrounds as far as success is concerned. And the, the names are the likes of Blake Taff, Drew Hutchinson, uh, who... Uh, Gerd spoke about earlier yep. about how he, he thought he should actually be in this Sydney Roosters lineup tonight. Jamin Salmon uh, from the Penrith Panthers. Kurt Mann from the Newcastle Knights, formerly with the Melbourne Storm and St. George Illawarra. And uh, more recently, Jake Turpin as well um, as a backup dummy half. Um, so, look, yep, they're not the biggest names, but I will say this, guys. It's, e- it's easy to be critical of the, of the recruitment, but you also have to look what's available on the open market. The open market is really thin at the moment on what is available, and that's you know, a good. It's a group of handymen, yeah, uh, really, isn't it? That's, that's well, what they look like. Well, a lot of them are what you describe as squad players, and look, they don't move the needle. But it's important when you build your squad, and you got all these guys like Kickow, and you got Crichton coming in, and Burden. You've got all these big names on big money, but you need these other squad players to fill in. And I understand what they're looking for at the moment, but it just shows you at the moment the lack of um, depth and talent around the game at the moment, especially with the new side coming in, the Dolphins. And at the moment, a a lot of the time, you know, teams like the Bulldogs would have filled a lot of those roster spots with their up-and-coming juniors out of their academy. Mm. But, you know, the the market for those academy players at the moment, it's it's a wildfire out there. People are just out there grabbing them all, so you're going to have to go get these squad players which have been around multiple clubs at the moment and um, it's it's a worrying uh, sign there with the talent depth. Benny, what kind of ages are we talking about the academy players coming through? Oh, look, you know, at, at the moment now you've got to sign a player. Um, you've probably got your eyes on him from when he's from 13, 14. You can sign him at the age of 15. Most kids wow. are being signed on three-year deals now. So when they're 15, 16, 17, they're coming off around about 18. That's when you can sign them on again, but by the time they're 17, 18, yeah, everyone in the country knows about them and uh, clubs are coming in pretty hard as, as we saw, you know, with someone like you know, Carl Olipau who was a up-and-coming junior. The Broncos have had him for so long and the Bulldogs just came in there and blew him out the water with what mm. they offered and he's not ready for NRL, but he, he ended up playing at the Bulldogs, but mm. the fact that the Bulldogs are going to go take a kid, a young kid from up here, to fill those spots and almost roll the dice with them shows you that there's just a lack of, of talent, but also a lack in those key positions. 
What, one of the key problem areas I see at the Canterbury Bulldogs is is a genuine lack of leadership. And it was to the point where, you know, they named a leadership structure this year with Matt Burton, Ray Fatella-Mariner and Reid Marnie as, as their three-pronged attack as far as their captaincy and leadership is concerned. For me, uh, that, that speaks to everything that we've seen uh, go wrong at the Bulldogs this year and also why we've seen the, the recruitment of Siwa Takiyaho. Now, Siwa probably won't play every game this next season, but what we do know is that he is a leader both on and off the field, inside the gym, inside the dressing room, and those players that the Bulldogs have started to recruit, the likes of Drew Hutchinson, played under some great players at the Roosters. Jamin Salmon, likewise, at the Panthers. Kurt Mann, Newcastle and Melbourne. I, I can see what the Bulldogs are doing. They're attempting to raise the bar as far as tr- training and application is concerned, but also being able to lead some of these younger players along have, with the experience, have already played under some pretty strong leaders themselves. Yeah, I think you just got to be careful sometimes with those ones like your Takiaho. He he sort of left the Roosters, you know. They 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 got all the good stuff out of him, and yep. he went over to the Super League. He done one year in France, and then he comes back, mm. and, and you're asking him to come back and be a leader and you know, hold a standard and hold a standard physically at training. Physically, if he can't hold it, that yep. that's the real issue there. Because from all accounts, you know, Serraldo pushes them pretty hard. <laughs> what if Takiaho can't even get through some of the sessions, or has yep. to have a day off and? You know, in games, he really doesn't have the motor to go and do those big minutes that he used to, then that that sometimes chips away at your leadership mm. and what you can really give in terms of value. And we see it all the time. You know, once you get over the age of about 31 as, as a middle forward, you, you fall off the cliff. So, 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 Dave, how many guys do they look like letting go at the end of the season at the Bulldogs? Oh, there'll be yeah, – there's, there's a good number. Sounds like, like collateral damage there, right? Yeah, there's a clean out on, no doubt. And, okay. Um, Guys, it's an interesting scenario where when the Panthers finished down the bottom of the ladder a few seasons ago, um, they brought in a player named Zane Tedavano. And Zane had come from the Roosters um, and, and, and was part of a winning system and knew what winning looked like. And they, they still talk about it today on the impact that Zane Tedavano had in one season at the Panthers in being able to upskill and lead the certain off-field standards and training standards of the likes of James Fisher-Harris and Viliami Kikau, who were younger forwards at the time. And I I can see very similar to what Cameron Serraldo is doing at the Bulldogs, just trying to lift that bar by by, by buying players that have been there, done that before. Uh, Yes, and and yes, they are squad players, but to Benny's point, you know, that's, that's also part of being successful as well, depth in your squad. Good to see some fans uh, queuing up, ready to get into Blue Bet Stadium for this uh, this game kickoff at five past four. One man who won't be running out there this afternoon is Jerome Luai, but there was talk that he could be back for the prelim final should they win today and get next week off. Uh, what, what's the latest with him? Yeah, he's certainly in a rehab phase still, uh, and he won't be. Look, if the Panthers were to go down uh, this uh, this afternoon, he won't be back next week. They need to get to a prelim or GF for Jerome to be in the frame. Um, it, it's it's time, honestly. It's This will be one of the... Yeah. Dare I say, in the old days, we would have been uh, camping outside the hyperbaric chamber. Uh, uh, but uh, You would have been in the helicopter yeah, at this stage. I, uh, Well, I've done the helicopter. Yeah. I did the helicopter with Cooper Cronk. Um, <laughs> I did the. I tell you when I did the hyperbaric chamber was Pat Richards in the 05 Grand Final, 
Uh, Paddy Richards had a significant in- injury and there's a hyperbaric, there was a hyperbaric chamber at Homebush. And on the Saturday before the Sunday grand final, I was out there uh, ch- chasing comment and quotes from big Paddy Richards. <laughs> Ended Do up playing work, a pretty though? special role, didn't he? I don't know if they work. Yeah, not sure about them. The hyperbaric chamber. Oh, they're tough no. if you're claustrophobic, I tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What about the other story with Jerome, though? Um, what's happening with him yep. in terms of his contract? Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's available to go to market from November 1. He's off contract at the end of next season, is Jerome Loy. And we, as we know, it's the juggling act of trying to keep a successful side together. Boys, I, I'm a believer that if Jerome Loy goes to the open market, he's in the 1.2 to 1.3 yeah. category. He's gone. Right? And... and uh, at this point in time, the Panthers are looking at it between a seven hundred and eight hundred thousand dollar deal. Gee, it's a cow. huge sacrifice mm. uh, from Jerome Luai if he stays at the Panthers. You know, like the thing, Willie may have already won three premierships by then. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Oh, he's going to have to go. Like when you really think about it, you know, four grand finals and potentially if he won his third championship, it's time to cash in. Yeah. Get that long-term deal that takes him to the age of potentially thirty-four. Yeah, um, and you know those, you know, you can stay every now and again for maybe less a hundred, hundred fifty thousand less. But mm. if it's more than that, if we're talking the difference is two, three hundred thousand over a six, seven-year deal, gone. He's, He's going to work go. for it though. He's going to go to a club that can afford. Well, the, you look around at the clubs that can afford to pay someone that, and you're going to go there, and it's going to be basically you're going to be the main man in a rebuild. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, and sometimes you're going to go to that club and you're never going to have that same success, but you've just got to roll the dice and take that deal because, as we know, you know, look at Pappenhausen, you get a bad injury and that deal's gone now. So I I think Jerome's going to have to leave. Tony Squires, Ryan Girdler, Ben Teo, Dave Riccio with you. Well, as we said, Bluebet Stadium will be rocking later this afternoon, as will McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle tomorrow when the Knights take on uh, the Raiders. Should be a great game of football. The Knights have come out of rush at the back end of the season. I guess the key uh, thing here, Girds, is the man Kalen Ponga, how he's carrying uh, that injury. Yeah, you know, playing with needle, needles this time of year, it's probably not that foreign. Yeah. Um, but with an AC joint, um, you know, they're, they're pretty tender. Uh, probably a two or three week. What, what, so he missed last week, didn't he? So it'll be yep. just the one week he's missed. So Correct. I think it's going to be pretty raw. Mm. Um, obviously, the Raiders are another side as well that, you know, under the guidance of, of Ricky Stewart are certainly going to test those areas around Kalen. But um, I thought they played pretty well without him last week. You know, I'd be really watching this space closely. And if he's not ready to play, you know, I know it's a situation where it's do or die for the Knights, but I'd have confidence in going to that game without Kalen if I really had to. I don't know, as a coach, Benny, you put you, find yourself in that situation. Do you play him at 70% or do you give him a rest, <clears throat> put faith in the guys that did, did the job for you last week and then hopefully get him right for the week after if, if you have a game on? Oh, I, I just don't think you can risk going into that game without him in terms of the momentum and, and probably the confidence that he's going to bring those other players. We, as we spoke about, you know, when Melbourne got frustrated last night when they couldn't score points, you know, just to have Kalen the, the ability to come up with those things. Um, yeah, lucky he's not in the front line with the AC. He's, he's at the back, but, yeah, Ricky and them, they're going to test him out. But Lucky uh, Miller's a pretty good player. Yeah, he, he is. He did a good job last week. He, he is, but I just think if I was at um, the coach, I'd be going in there with my best players, even if he is 70%. You know, we saw, you know, just remember what Cooper Cronk did in that grand final, just having that presence there. Yeah. 
Um, Just having a motivational speaker. Ben, uh, to both of you, actually, where is the line for something like this? A player goes in with an injury. Uh, where is the, and you're an aggressive player, Benny Teo. Yeah. What, what do you do? How far do you push it in terms of, of trying to reawaken <laughs> that pain? <laughs> there is no line. Uh, yeah, I'll be doing everything I can to try and, you know, I know it doesn't sound nice, but... Uh, re-aggravate it. Um, yep. Yeah, definitely I'll be going for it. Yeah, we saw, you know, that shot that, that Tarpany put on Reese Walsh there. You'd be going for those type of shots. You'd be probably going, risking a couple of late shots on Caelan Ponga to try and put him off his game. Mm. Um, it's just the way it is, isn't it? it? it it's left, it, you know, it's Jack White at left centre. You know, I'd be positioning Jamal Fogarty early in the game, just bombing that that left corner and just letting Jack go down because he's just one of the most physical players in the con, con, competition, competes for everything, and just letting it happen naturally, it's going to get tested. It, I, look, the guys, your discussion about whether Gerd's, whether Kalen plays and you, you go with Lockie Miller, oh, they can't afford to. It's an elimination mm. final. Mm. And you can't go the entire off-season wondering, oh, geez, I wish... Well, I wonder if we should have played Kalen Ponga. You have to go chips all in. Now, my understanding, talking to the Newcastle Knights officials, it is Kalen. It is Kalen saying, "I will be okay. Let me play." Mm. Um, and and so it's not. It's it's. It, there's no hesitance from Kalen's point of view. Look, there there was a photo doing the rounds of 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 Kalen at training this week with the with the padding on the shoulder on the point of the AC where the damage has been done. And like it, he'll he'll. It's almost like. The old shoulder pad. Um, yeah. And that, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's going to help him to a certain extent. That's going to help him with some of the contacts coming down on, onto the AC. But it's it's the collisions there where it compresses because that's how we done it, right? Yeah. So when he gets hit on the side of his shoulder and it compresses his arm in towards you know, his chest, that's yeah. the one that's going to hurt. And, and that's the one where when you put up a bomb and you can hit him, if you can yeah. hit him on that side, that's where or, you're going to get or, him. Or when he's out the back of shape, exactly how it happened. I mean, you're willing to give a couple of penalties away. So if he's out the back of shape and he's offloading the football, you're going through with the tackle. Because you give so, a penalty away to aggravate that situation. That's just the way that it is. So who have we got? We've, you've mentioned White and you've got, we've got Hudson Young, plays physical. Oh, yeah. uh, Jordan Rapana plays plays dead set on the line every week. Well, it'll be Whitehead and, and Young and those guys on the edges oh, yeah. after he passes. Yeah, you'll be after. lining up for that. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> Hudson Young especially, you know, on that side. He'll be... Uh, you'll be arguing over who's going to get to go do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Benny too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Benny, you sound, you sound matter-of-fact about it. Like, this is a game plan that you would you would go with. Yeah. if you were When you were playing, yeah. you would put a target on him and go hard. Absolutely. Yeah, as you said, it's an elimination final. It's all or nothing. You find a little chink, all right? You find a little chink in the arm and someone who's so influential, if you can rattle him, get out there and put him under pressure. If you've got Caelan Ponga thinking twice, thinking about his shoulder a bit, I think you're in, um, you're in a good space. Do you think that he should be given a, a free pass just to go out there because he's injured? <laughs> he wears purple shorts. Yeah, put the pink bib on him. Yeah, that's right. What about maybe, Jackson Hayes? Um, sorry. I was just going to say maybe um, Joseph Tarpany after he, you know, he, he concedes in one of his uh, <laughs> plays, yes. he, he just comes through and does what he did to Reese Walsh a couple of weeks ago. 
Yeah, it works. Right. Jackson Hastings, he's uh, all good to go as well, so he's 100. Yeah, so it's an ankle in- it was an ankle injury uh, for Jackson Hastings. And, and I love Jackson's attitude. It's not, it's not like Jackson to be backward and coming forward. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he openly declared, bring it on yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, early this week as far as what we've been talking about, the Raiders' mentality. And, look, if there's any, any coach that likes to, uh, likes to uh, create an us-against-the-world mentality... It's Ricky Stewart. Indeed, he's had uh, plenty of opportunity over the past few weeks. They've been a bit up and down the uh, Canberra, but they come into this game and I'm sure they'll have uh, plenty of confidence about what they can do, but they haven't actually done great against top eight sides uh, all, all year, in fact. No, no, they haven't. And, and you know, they're foreign against this pool and, you know, some would say that they're fortunate to be there, but, um, you know, they are there. They are there and they have a, they have a swing at this. And... That's, I, you know, I just touched on it. Ricky Stewart will have his Raiders players believing that no one in the world gives us a chance, right? But it, it, there's something about that dressing room message that the boys can speak to more about having that, that inner belief within a tight circle that we, we need to go and, and do a job for only ourselves because no one rates us. Yeah, and, and he's got them up for certain games, hasn't he? Mm. It's almost a miracle that they're in these finals. When you look at their points differential, like it, it's hard to believe that a team that's leaked that many points is here, but it's because of that. It's because Ricky and the culture he creates, and sometimes they just come out like madmen. I, mm. I really like the Raiders this year. Obviously, they've, they've fallen away, but I just think you know Ricky's always got a tough competitive side that's up for the fight. Um, no doubt they'll be there. But the momentum of this night side, I just haven't really seen anything like it for a while. It reminds me a little bit of the Parramatta Eels in 2009. They're just humming along. Mm. And you'd hate to come up against them in the finals at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Ricky can try and sell whatever he likes. But whether the players believe it or not, boys, I mean, their form, you know, losing three of their last four, no Papali'i, no Horsburgh. Chris is out for this one. He's been one of their best players all year, going up to Newcastle and so... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's great. It's 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 romantic, but to think that uh, they believe that they can go up there and have an impact in this final series on the back of those injuries and their current form, I don't know. Yes. I'm not buying it. Yep. Uh, not buying? All right, there you go. A lot of people trying to sell. This is the Saturday Scrum, that preview. Thanks to Jim Beam. It's set to be an epic match, and that's worth raising a Jim Beam. Remember, drink responsibly. We're at Blue Bet Stadium. When I say we, I mean Ben Teo, uh, Ryan Girdler, Tony Squires, and this man. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. This has got it all. I think you're going to concentrate on one club for your uh, mail for us today. Yeah, look, St George Illawarra, guys, it's, it's, they're going to be one of the spotlight clubs as far as next season is concerned with the arrival of Shane Flanagan. As the new head coach, he returns to the hot seat for the first time in five years after assistant coach role at the Manly Seagulls. Um, it's really interesting to see, um, and we spoke about this about the dogs previously, about what's available on the open market. And already we've seen Shane sign this week, Kyle Flanagan, his son, uh, on a two-year deal, very much in a utility role, backup half, backup dummy half. Uh, situation for Cole. I spoke to Cole earlier this week. He said that there's certainly no guarantees that he's been given. He just has to work hard 
and be uh, ready to go in either of those spots. He kind of has to work twice as hard, really. Yeah, for Dad. <laughs> for Dad. Yeah, and, yeah. And for Dragons fans, who I guess were, you know, in terms of the perception yeah. of that. But uh, he has added the dummy half aspect to his role, hasn't he, over the little while with It was Canterbury. really interesting that Kyle spoke so glowingly about the Bulldogs and certainly Cameron Seraldo. He gave him a massive rap, the head, the head coach of the Dogs, in relation to opening his eyes to a position that he probably didn't think he would go down yeah. um, a season or two ago. Um, and it has. It's opened up an opportunity at Saints. The other signing already by the Dragons is Harme Sele. Now, I'm hearing that the next port of call uh, will be in the back row for St George Illawarra. And Shane Flanagan has his eye on South Sydney back rower Keon Kalamatangi. Now, Ooh. Keon um, is off wow. contract oh, at the end good. of next season uh, mm. and, we, and is available on the open market from November 1. He's yet to commit to... Uh, the Rabbitohs at this point in time. The Raiders are also pressing um, for Keon, but I understand the Dragons through Shane Flanagan will also make a significant play for Keon, and that would be yeah huge. Obviously, that's, he's a he's a, a, a South not in a position to keep him with their cap, Dave. Is that where it's well, at? Well, I, I, look, I think they'll put a, put up a fight, Gertz. I do. Yeah. I think I, I think he's too good a player not to. You just can't wave the white flag and say no thanks. No way. Um, but they have done a great job, South Sydney, in recruitment already, uh, extending a large majority of their pack, their key players, likes of Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker, Damian Cook, Joy Arrow, they're all on contract. So their challenge will be is if South Sydney can match significant plays by the Raiders and, and the Dragons. Um, and just quickly too, uh, I've got uh, an interview with Shane Flanagan in tomorrow's Sunday telly, and he speaks about Tyrell Sloan. We know Tyrell's such a... Uh, a promising talent, the Dragons' fullback. Uh, Shane speaks about wanting to take Tyrell to dark places Uh-oh. Uh, in the preseason <laughs> as far as... Taking him to the sandpit with Ben Tia. Well, <laughs> potentially, <laughs> potentially. Um, and, and, it's, and it's based around wanting to get uh, Tyrell at, to a defensive level of where his game needs to go to become an elite-level fullback. And mm. we know he's a special talent. But he has had some defensive flaws in his game, and it'll be a huge preseason, by my understanding, uh, oh. under Shane Flanagan for Tyrell Sloan. What a massive preseason! It's going to yeah. be unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Can you just talk me very, very quickly though? The other decision seems to be the try to get more things happening at Cogra, not just at Wollongong. Yeah, what's what, the thinking behind? Yeah, one of the one of the uh, constants um, over the past what six or seven seasons has. The, the gradual and eventual move from the Dragons to be largely solely based in Wollongong for training, meeting uh, purposes. And Shane just doesn't want to lose that connection with such a, a, a proud St George district and yep. community and Cogra. And so, therefore, he will be bringing uh, the Dragons players uh, back to training at least once a week, certainly in the preseason to start with, uh, by where a large majority of the players that who do uh, who now reside in Wollongong will be asked to commute up to St George and and train at Cogra. Look, I think it's great, and this and this comes back to what largely why we're here today. The fabric of rugby league is in the suburbs, in the communities, and it's in the heartlands. And without a doubt, St George and Cogra. Uh, uh, hand in glove. And it's quite the picture. The crowd's pouring into Blue Bet Stadium ahead of this qualifying final. The Panthers taking on the Warriors. My name is Tony Squires. I'm with Ryan Girdler, Bentia, Dave Riccio. And terrific to welcome into the studio the Warriors CEO, Cameron George. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Beautiful sunny day. Uh, Saturday afternoon footy. 
Bluebet Stadium doesn't get any better. How, and, and how big, how big, the All Blacks get rolled this morning, uh, the hopes and dreams of a nation on, on your shoulders this afternoon. <laughs> That's it, mate. It, it's going to be awesome in New Zealand this afternoon. Six o'clock, I can tell you there's been things changed around to fit in with the schedule. It'll be chock-a-block full at every pub and club, households a lot, and Sky uh, Sport, our major partner over there, are now putting it on free-to-wear. That there's that much uh, interest in the game. It's huge, and I just can't thank the NRL enough for the common sense shown to really bring the public along into this game in New Zealand by the earlier schedule because it, it'll help big time. Cam, uh, I spoke to you earlier in the week as far as um, for an article for The Telegraph, and, and, and you actually sounded gobsmacked on the, on, the, on the phone as just as far as how unbelievable the groundswell of momentum and support within New Zealand how much it exists for the Warriors to the point where you said to me that you guys over there here in Australia, you, 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 I know you, I know you're aware of it, but you don't know how big it is. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it's just gone crazy. It swept the nation uh, in New Zealand, and let's not forget the All Blacks is the national brand, the national team and all that sort of thing. We're equal to the Blues, the Crusaders. We're in a competition. Trans Tasman won at that. And so, you know, the public in New Zealand, you know, you're either rugby or rugby league. What we've done is pulled over the rugby union fans into our journey and they're really enjoying it. And then there's the fans that sit on the fence that are just sports fans and avid fans. And, mate, they're going, they're going crazy. And um, just start... From top to bottom, east to west of the country, it's gone berserk. And then you bring on all, all of our fans in Australia that have been a part of our journey through COVID and the likes that are just jumping on the bandwagon too. You've, so, so, you've sold out everything. Everything, yeah. mate. You can't it, get a jersey. No, nah, it's just crazy. And um, our shop's all but empty. Um, we even went to Rebel the other day to try and buy some stuff in Brisbane when we were there last week against Redcliffe and couldn't get it. So, look, it's just a great story. It's great for the club. It's great for our fans. And most importantly, it's great for our, our, our footy players and they deserve it. Yeah, Cameron, let's talk about uh, today's game and the news through the week, obviously, that Sean, uh, the skipper and Sean Johnson won't be taking part. So can you just tell us a little bit about how that took place and, and where the injury's at? Yeah, look, on the back of uh, being rested against Redcliffe, they're doing some training and just got a bit of a tightness in, in, in the calf muscle. And look, it's not, you know, it's not um, you know, season ending or anything like that. I think if this was our last throw at the stumps today, uh, you'd see Sean Johnson out there. But I think common sense has prevailed where he's playing the long game here, and rightly so. It's you know it's it's precautionary more so today than anything. So I expect him back whenever we play our next game. Um, but the mentality amongst the group, the club, we blinked, we moved on. Uh, our boys are up for it. They, it's that next man in um, mandate and um, and mindset that we have. And it's a privilege to be in a club where we've got so much depth. It's something we've sort of struggled with a bit over the last few years. And uh, I think our you know our Haas will do a good job today. They're tough, they're resilient, and um, you know they'll be up for it. Cameron, um, you know whatever happens today, obviously you, you got a. Uh, another game up your sleeve potentially in New Zealand. I've got a lot of family back there and they're definitely swept up in it, in it as well. And looking for tickets. <laughs> and looking for tickets. <laughs> yeah. um, at, the, at the start of the season, what were the club's goals? You know, I know COVID was a tough time and it, and it affected your junior pathways and systems. What was the main goal when you got back to Auckland and your goals for this season? 
just really reconnect with our identity and our fan base. Like, no fault of anyone else's but my own. Over the last three years, I lost control of that. We lost it. We didn't know what we stood for. We didn't know who we stood for because we're just on the road so often in so many places. But to go home this year, it was all about reconnecting with who we are, uh, what our club stood for, and our fan base. And you've seen as our, our strategy and philosophy has been that. And to do that, um, we've just really amplified our game day experiences. And We've had 24-plus thousand at every home game and that's just really opened up our door to all of our fans to come back and reconnect with us and our players have responded on the back of that. So I've been really happy with the way the whole club has you know, re-engaged with the country and, and we all know who we are now and what we stand for. And Cameron, why was Andrew Webster the, the right man to share that journey with you? Look, Webby, I've known him for a while, um, Ryan, and, and he's a terrific person first and, first and foremost and... Um, look, I, I sort of kept in touch with him, you know, throughout his career since he left the Warriors. He knew what we're about. He's lived there. He's passionate about the club. And we needed that uh, when we selected our new coach. As you know, we had so many people come to our club over the last three years that then didn't want to go back to New Zealand. We didn't want that with the coach. And he sold himself on the basis that he wants this to be his home forever. And, um, uh, mate, he's, you know, he's, he's an outstanding coach, uh, Ivan Cleary, who you know, I went through the front door and spoke to him about it, and he was glowing in his reference. He said he's ready for it, but not only ready for a head coaching role, he's actually the right person for the Warriors role, and Ivan's mm. had that experience, so it's great. That, that's where I have the bone to pick with you, because uh, I did see the story about the recruitment of Andrew Webster, about you speaking to Ivan and, and saying you wanted to go through the front door. That's not a very rug, rugby league thing to do. <laughs> it's supposed to be a much more cloak and dagger, isn't it? Yeah, and that's right, and that's why they'll go a bit easier on us today. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> mate, but that's just the calibre of Ivan and Webby, and that's why they're so successful uh, in their own rights. Um, you know, I got on the beers with with with, um, with Ivan at Webby's wedding, and he's just such a good fella, and he loves our footy club. They do. He loves our footy club, and uh, Webby loves it. So it was it was a good discussion to have, and um, you know, we are where we're at, and we appreciate Ivan helping us along the way there. In this job of mine, um, covering the game, I have to speak to largely every CEO in the game. Yep. And uh, in that, in the course of that, um, I, I regularly talk to Cameron. And I think Warriors fans need to appreciate, uh, and I'm going to embarrass him a little bit here, on how significant the job Cameron George has done in keeping this Warriors club going through those turbulent years where... Players would have been knocking on his door in tears, wanting to go home when they were based outside of New Zealand for so long. Uh, they were basically operating on an, out of a caravan. And I think, the, I think the Warriors are so fortunate to have a CEO and leader like Cameron George at the helm. He's, he's, he's a different thinker, which I think rugby league needs too. And I want to, I'm getting to a point here. Very much a, an innovator as far as ideas and how to grow the game. And we see that every Warriors game on... Uh, the, the support and groundswell isn't fluke. It's driven by um, uh, the staff under, under Cameron at the Warriors. But I wanted to touch on one thing, Cam, and that is your idea how state of origin must get to New Zealand and also to what's going on in the background around a potential NRLW magic round yeah. in New Zealand. But of who you've quite... In the background, been campaigning to Peter Volandi's Yeah, look, I don't think there's been a better opportunity ever presented to the NRL than what there is right now for rugby league to really grab hold of New Zealand. You look at yeah. you look at the talent that comes out of that great country and the Pacific Islands that support the NRL as a whole, yet 
they get nothing in return in, in regards to extra content, extra investment and the likes. Um, so there's a couple of strategic ways I reckon we could go about it. Uh, I think rather than just turn the lights on after COVID, where we started the country with three years of it, uh, we've seen the response this year. Let's get a state of origin Sunday afternoon, six o'clock kickoff over there, four o'clock here. What an outstanding afternoon it would be. The, the, the country would go berserk. There'd be plenty of tourists, tourists travel over there for it. Uh, in addition to that, let's give the NRLW their own market. You know, the Magic Round in Brisbane goes unbelievable for the the males, let's give the NRLW their own market. That's one thing New Zealand should be very proud of and are proud of, their women's sport. It's very strong. Uh, you look at through all their sports, they always sit at the top of the tree in most uh, world competitions. Um, and I reckon it'd be awesome, you know. I've been trying to look at Queenstown to get them on to see if they want to look at it, Mount Smart are looking at it. The NRL are considering it, but there's some strategic ways we can really amplify our game over there. And if we can inspire another 20 30% of the kids in the country to play rugby league over rugby union, mate, this game's going to be so healthy for years and years and years to come. And that's what we should be worried about, not the now, but the future. As you're speaking, uh, the Warriors team making their way into the stadium. Stay nearby, I, I take it. Are you? We, we talked about Sean Johnson not there. Look him in the eye. You're confident about what happens this afternoon? Yeah, look, I, I think our team's up for it. Like, we've earned this opportunity. We haven't been gifted it because of any other reason than we've won a lot of bloody games this year, good and bad circumstances. But they've toughed it out. And that's what good teams do, you know. Uh, people say, oh, they haven't been winning well. Well, if we win bad and still win the grand final and the premiership, I'm happy with that. At the end of the day, you've just got to win. And um, our boys are up for this. We travelled over. We stayed here at Penrith at the Pullman. It's the best place to stay. Honestly, it's an outstanding hotel. Penrith have been great for us. But we want to get amongst it. We want to eyeball it. We want to take on this challenge. We want to walk into the danger zone here today and not walk out without the win. And uh, our boys, you know, we trained here yesterday. We trained well. And, um, you know, I'd be disappointed if we didn't take it to them today. Honestly, I think we're, we're really here. We understand and appreciate the opportunity we've got. You've also been busy in the uh, recruitment um, areas, Cameron. You've got Roger coming back to the club next year. Exciting times for the club and for the fans. Yeah, brilliant uh, get for our footy club to get Rog back. Look, understandably so. Rog left a few years ago uh, short of his full contract term. Um, to live out a bit of a, a rugby dream, that didn't go to plan. And, uh, you know, we, we sort of sniffed that out a little bit. And, um, you know, he was really keen to come back and just appreciate that opportunity to work with Roger again. He'll be great for our club, great for our game across, you know, both Australia and New Zealand. And it's really exciting. Hey, Cam, just lastly, before we let you go, uh, when you play in two weeks' time... Yeah. That's about time. Um, I knew he said it. He was trying to yes. ask when we're playing next week. <laughs> I got pissed off. <laughs> when you do play next, uh, will it be at Mount Smart or will you look at Eden Park? What, what's, what, Mate, what's your it's thoughts? The NRL's call, to be honest. Look, we don't care where we walk to to play, but Mount Smart's our home. We understand that. But balancing that out, we don't want to lock out 25,000 fans either. You know, we can get 50,000. What an event for the game in New Zealand. Um, but, look, we'll let the NRL deal with that. Oh, we've got enough on our plate. Um, obviously Cam trying to plan for next week. <laughs> next week, indeed. <laughs> Cameron George, great to talk to you. Thanks for giving up your time uh, on game day. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your support. Travel well. Thank Good you. luck. We're at Blue Bat Stadium where the Warriors side has walked out drenched in spring sunshine, uh, looking brilliant as the Panthers side also uh, wanders into the stadium. Uh, Cameron George, I've not met him before. I like the cut of his jib. Yeah, he's uh, as I said in in the discussion, 
you know, <clears throat> a lot of CEOs in this game are only in it for the short time. I get the real sense that Cameron George wants nothing more to be a long-term CEO who sees the rise of not only the Warriors, but uh, Rugby League in New Zealand. Yeah. And, and the growth of the game. And he's a forward thinker, Tone. He's a, he's a really quality individual as far as um, not only his acumen to lead the Warriors, but Again, foresight for rugby league. He's, he's a really strong leader. The state of origin idea, goes just quickly in, in New Zealand, I, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I like it. If we're going to take one always to a neutral venue, I mean, why not take one over there? Oh, look, I personally like two in Queensland, one in New South Wales, and then we flip that the year after. But if we are going to move them around, let's promote the game over in New Zealand, and I think they've earned the right. Yeah, the, the buzz in, in New Zealand for State of Origin is huge, you know. There's a lot of people there that um, think it's about them as well. They all pick their sides and one's New South Wales, one's Queensland. And I think anything you can take over there, as, as you said, give them content, whether that be the NRLW Magic Round, they just eat it up. They love their rugby league and they just can't get enough. And, you know, when rugby league's going well in New Zealand, I think it's so important Um just for the growth of the game and the juniors. And for a long time, the juniors have filled all the other teams around Australia. It's nice for them to finally be keeping some of their talent. Tony Squires, Bentia, Ryan Girdler and Dave Riccio, 26-0. As we said, uh, a brilliant performance from the Broncos. What a win. Uh, and we're lucky enough to be joined by Jesse Arthurs. G'day, mate. Hey, lads. How's it going? Very, very well, thank you. How are you going? Uh, more to the point, terrific win, as we said. Bit of a statement from the team. Must have been a good vibe in the rooms afterwards. Yeah, bro, for sure. That one was uh, pretty pleasing. So I'm sure all the boys will be happy today. Hey, uh, Jesse, Ryan Girdler, mate, congratulations. Uh, good night at uh, Suncorp last night. Big crowd. And you got the nod through the week over your good mate in Corey Oates. So a lot of pressure for those positions. And you must have been happy with um, Kevy's decision. Yeah, mate, obviously, um, you know, me and Gary are really good mates and um, those are the, the awkward meetings that, you know, you have to have. But um, obviously at the club this year we got a lot of healthy competition and, um, you know, it, it puts a lot of pressure on Kev. So, um, you know, when he gave me the call or the nod, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I, I did the job for the team and, and, you know, try to play my best game. So I was, um, I was stoked to, to play last night. Hey, Jesse, Benny Teo here. Uh, mate, congrats on the game. I think the thing that stood out to me was just the viciousness of, of the uh, defensive line. And you guys seem to be just humming at the right point of the season. Is there something that you guys have done different, whether that be preseason or your preparation compared to last year, where you just hit a speed bump towards this time of year? Hey, bro. Um, yeah, man, for sure. I think um, in the preseason, man, the, you know, the one message that Kev wanted to get across was that we had to be a lot better in our defense and, um, you know, that's something that we've drilled, you know, from day one in preseason, and, um, you know, we've just continued to work on each week. And like you said, mate, it's, um, you know, the pack's been doing a really good job defensively um, in the ruck, which obviously helps us on the edges. So um, I guess this year, mate, we've just been working really hard, and it just feels like we're just one big unit out there. So, um, yeah. you know, I don't have to do too much defending on the wing, but it's um, it's pretty exciting when the boys are, you know, putting on some shots and, and um, you know, slowing it down to help us out on the edge. Hey, Jesse, Dave Riccio here, mate. Huge congratulations on advancing to a prelim. But one of the big talking points out of this game, unfortunately, mate, is the injury to Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, all of us have been involved with the game for you know, the past 20, 25 years. 
And we're speaking earlier about how we haven't really seen that much devastation on a footy field. Well, rarely do we see that much devastation on a footy field. Can you just take us into your thoughts when uh, Paps went down? Um, were you close to the action? Did, where, what did you see? What did you think straight away? And, and what did that moment in time um, where the game was stopped do, do to you? Yeah, man, obviously I was on the, actually on the other side of the field, but, um, you know, I, I didn't actually know who was down. But, you know, when, when obviously we seen that, it was um, perhaps it was, you know, that's not what you want to see, obviously, for someone that's, you know, spent quite a bit of time off the game um, due to injury over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I know a lot of the boys sent their condolences out to a matey who, um, you know, he'll be going through a bit of a tough time. But, um, you know, all the boys reached out to him and, and um, you know, we wish him a speedy recovery and, um, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be he'll be back. Um, you know, firing when he's back. So, um, hopefully, it all goes well for him. Jesse, uh, from a personal point of view, you know, you've you've been around uh, a couple of um, environments now, a couple of different teams. You're you're back here in Brisbane, and um, how how are you feeling personally? Like just with the momentum that you got, and you know, I know you were there, and, and I was there for those uh, those dark times there, the Broncos, and to be yeah. in the good times now. Um, just describe what it's like to be humming along with this team heading towards the prelim. Yeah, mate, it's, um, yeah, like you said, those first couple um, years, you know, when we were, you know, down in the dumps and we weren't doing too well, obviously got a wooden spoon there. It was, um, you know, those are the real tough times in footy and, and um, you know, obviously no one wants to be in those times. But I guess, you know, there's been a core group of us that have, you know, stuck together for a couple of years now. And, you know, personally, obviously I went away last year and I was at the Warriors, um, you know, trying to get a bit of experience in first grade, which you know, sort of helped me out there. And to now be back and, you know, to see the boys, like you said, we're firing and, and going really well. It's, it's um, you know, it's, it's a full credit to the boys, man, for, you know, staying together and, and just working hard to, you know, to be, you know, back up the top and, and to be playing some good footy. Hey, Jesse, Benny just spoke about the defence, but one thing that I've noticed watching you guys this year with the Broncos, and it's hard to ignore, just the attacking ability. Um, the, the the way that the edges go about their business, uh, the offloads through the middle. Now, for mine, that last night, it wasn't as fluent as I've seen it. Um, I'm not sure what the message was like at halftime from Kevy, uh, but especially in the first half, there was a, a fair bit of ball on ground. You guys didn't look as connected, anywhere near as connected as I've seen you so far this year. Do you think that's got had something to do with the fact that you know, you had, I think you had a bye three rounds out from finals. You rested a lot of players last week. You came into that game last night, and then you've also got another uh, rest next week. How do you think that's sort of leaving you uh, in relation to those combinations for those big games that are coming up? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, the start of the game was, you know, a little bit clunky from us. So, um, you know, I think the beauty of us getting the week off is we'll have time to train and and, you know, fixed up those things. And like you said, we, you know, obviously rested a few, well, most of the boys last week. Um, but I'm, I'm sure the boys will be sweet. It's actually been a, you know, really exciting year for us on attack as well. You know, Reese Walsh and, and Ezra and Reno, like our spine's been on fire. And, um, you know, those young boys are just bringing, bringing you know, their um, skills to the table. So it's it's been, um, you know, pretty enjoyable on attack as well. But I think it all just comes back to our defense, mate. Like we've just worked really hard on that and, and that's obviously helping us in our attack. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure the boys will train hard this week and, um, you know, fix up what we need to do in attack and and we'll be ready for, um, you know, that, that next final. 
We're talking to Jesse Arthurs from the Brisbane Broncos here on the Saturday Scrum. Jesse, uh, look, I've been following on Instagram, not stalking, obviously just research, uh, and I see that uh, you, you enjoy your golf. Was that you chipping yeah. in at Cape Kidnappers from about 30 metres? You'd be taking some money off your um, playing partners, wouldn't you? Yeah, no, that's, um, you know, that's a hobby of mine, man. I, I love getting out on the course. Um, I'm, not, I'm not the best golfer, mate. I'm just a social golfer, and I, I just love getting out with the boys, but... Um, yeah, that that chipping was uh that was probably a highlight <laughs> mate, of my golfing career. So it was um and you know to play on that course mate was wicked. So um I was I was definitely going to post that up and um yeah, so it was pretty good, bro. But yeah, the boys, it's, it's been a funny year, mate. Like um I think I'm pretty sure our whole team's gone and got fitted and and got a set of clubs. So everyone's um <laughs> everyone's been playing, bro. And they half our team's bloody PGA coaches. So. <laughs> it's, um, it's been interesting, but no, nah, it's good fun, eh? The boys yeah. are bonding and, um, you know, it's translating into the footy field, so it's, um, it's been enjoyable. Hey, Jesse, someone that hits a ball like he, uh, no doubt he can, a golf ball, would be Adam Reynolds. Uh, all this week, there was so much discussion about the general, the Broncos general, and why the Broncos signed him. And it was for these moments. It was for last night. What's he like out on the footy field? And, and is, is it almost like when you, you do, you know, from your position on the wing, when you look infield and Renault's running the show, there's just a level of confidence that I, I dare say, I, I don't know if you can explain. No, nah, Renault's like, he's just so cool and calm on the field, eh? Like, he's just, you know, he's just cruising around and he's just coming up with all these plays, man. And obviously, he steers the ship around and it's just, yeah, he just looks like he's, yeah, just not, not stressing at all. So, um. You know, obviously when Renault's playing and he's firing, mate, um, the Bronx are going well. So as long as the boys just keep laying the platform for him in the middle, mate, I'm sure, um, you know, with his leadership and obviously his finals experience, it's um, <clears throat> it's only going to go well for us. So, um, yeah, it, it's awesome having Renault at the club and, um, you know, obviously learning off him as, as a, you know, older player and it, it helps having his experience because obviously there's not too many of us in our team that have played finals. So it's good to have him. Well, you're going deep this year, and it's well-deserved, Jesse Arthurs. Congratulations, uh, Kuru. It's all about waiting for opportunities, then grabbing it when it comes. You've done just that. Uh, good luck for the games ahead, mate. Yeah, awesome, boys, and I appreciate it. Heaps, hey. Thank you very much. Believe it or not. All right, this is one that has been, uh, obviously this week has been ticking along. All finals games, believe it or not, all finals games must be played at the big venues. A lot of talk about Shark Park, about playing that game there when they could have uh, maybe filled Allianz Stadium. Uh, Dave Riccio, believe it or not. Uh, no, I don't. And, and I say it not only on the basis of Shark Park, I say it on the basis of where we stand today, Tony. Ah, uh, yeah. And that is mm -hmm. at the foot of the mountains yep. at Bluebet Stadium where... Later this afternoon, this joint will be rocking, right? It, it, it'll be like a ACDC concert-like atmosphere when they run out, right? You cannot create that. You can't create that every single time in, in a major stadium. Now, I'm only saying for week one of the finals, I'm more than content to move on after week one, but these teams fight all season for some type of, of advantage and to play in front of your suburban community, your heartland, and where you do have some type of uh, 
fan favouritism, some, 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 uh, an advantage, yep. I say go for it. I remember when it was old football, it was called the Sydney Football Stadium and it was the finals precinct and every yeah, was yes, played there. It was brilliant. Too. The flags were out the front. You go along Anzac Parade, never across the western side obviously, but you go along Anzac Parade and you'd see what was there and you'd go there every weekend and watch yeah, the game of footy. Yeah, I remember was, that. It was, was good times. It was really good times. Ryan Girdler, what do you think? Believe it or not, all finals games must be played at big venues. But Tony, I think that was when there was a top five. And, and finals mm. were all about then going to that venue and that was the excitement in itself was to be yep. able to sort of make that, uh, that final series and go into the big smoke and, and play the finals. But things have changed now that there's a top eight and I'm with Dave. I think week one, it's good to, for those guys that have earned the right uh, to play in front of their home fans and the advantage that that gives them. And then week two, do what they do and move it into the bigger venues. Even if it is a Shark Park scenario, what is it, 13,000? Yeah, but, Tone, you just 13? can't change I, yeah, the I, rules willy-nilly based on the fact that the Sharks are going through a construction zone at this point in time. Right. Yeah. So, really so the therefore... People, well, but when you're renovating your house, you don't invite people over for dinner parties, do you? Well, you, you, know, you can, well, hey, I've seen your house. Yeah, that's constantly under renovation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, no, what I'm saying is if, if it's... If, it's, if you rule the Sharks out this weekend, then you've got to rule Penrith out. Well, particularly if they are talking about them playing in the home venue of the t- their opponent. who finished Well, exactly. Which and that's, that, that makes no yeah. sense whatsoever. Benny, what do you think? Believe yeah, it or not. Yeah, there's a one-sided argument. I've got to agree. You know, you work so hard, you deserve it. You can take the game wherever you want in, in week one. Um, you know, in, in my experience, it's uh, worked against some teams before. I remember in uh, 2014, Manly, they had the home final and they had to take it to the uh, the football stadium to play the Rabbitohs and we ended up getting the win. So things would have been a lot different for us had we had to go to Brookvale. So I do think it's fair that the team who's up the top, they get to pick where it goes. Love it. All right, I'll stay with you, Benny. Uh, believe it or not, if the Panthers win the 2023 Premiership, they are the greatest team of the modern era. Always Agreed. hard to find the modern era. You agree? Absolutely. Look, and you know, four grand finals in a row. Um, I think you know that that first one they lost, they were just inexperienced on the day, um, but they were still the best side all year. So to really think about it, they've been the best side for four years straight, and the amount of superstars they've had and left, but also the personnel that have come and gone, assistant coaches and staff, they're they're a real machine there. And mm. um, you have to think about some of the great teams of the past, some of those storm sides and the roosters. But I think this Penrith side. Is, is the best of this era. As a uh, former Panthers legend, Ryan Girdler, what are your thoughts? Yeah, they're probably not... Um, if, you, if you put them down on paper, they mightn't be uh, the best team or the best um, team of individuals to ever sort of play yeah. in this era, but they're certainly the best team. They're the best group that I've seen that come together on a weekly basis and perform at a consistent level over a long period of time. Yeah, it goes without saying. There's probably the storm and... Some of those, uh, that, that sort of that generation that came through there where uh, they were, you know, prelim finals, grand finals every year. But I, d- I don't think they won back-to-back titles, did they? No. And then there's the Broncos in the sort of late 90s and early 2000s as well that, you know, you put them down on paper and there was like 12 or 13 internationals in that team. Now, Penrith don't have that sort of representation at, at representative level. So you could probably say that they mightn't um, be player for player the best team um, in the in the modern era, but they certainly are uh, the best group when you put them together and, and look at results without What's doubt. That, uh, Gerds, we were just looking just near the commentary box here uh, at the pictures on the wall uh, with yeah. you. Is that the team of the, the century? Yeah, that was the team of, I think, maybe it was 40 years or 50 years. It was the, yeah. the, the team of... Um, 
of I think fifty years of of playing for Penrith, but I think at some point Tony they'll just rub those names out and just put the current group, <laughs> and that'll be the new team of the century moving forward. I think I think Gerd's touches on a really good point, and my concern for this outstanding uh, period for the Penrith Panthers is we have this knack uh, of looking back at teams uh, in history and it's an associating success with a with a batch of players that were super, <coughs> superstars, excuse me, mm. and changed the game. <coughs> and that was, that's largely Cooper Cronk, Greg Inglis. Um, <coughs> Do you want a glass of water? Yes, yeah, I'm okay. choking here. You are, look at that. Cameron Smith. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Slater. Come and so, help him. So to Gerds's point, it, yeah, they're a great team, but they're not a, they're not a superstar-loaded team. Yeah, I, I think the, the errors, it's changed though now with the salary cap, like, if you look at, like, the Australian side at the moment, it's made up of all these superstars from each and every club. We, we really um, – it's spread out across the league now, and that's why I think it's even harder to win these days. Like, back in the day, you talk about that Broncos side with all those internationals. Like, some of them never even thought about leaving Brisbane. Yeah. You know, they just stayed here and they didn't think about going anywhere else. But now you've just got so much movement, and to be able to, like – keep that success and keep bringing juniors through and keep your system roaring is just, that's been the most impressive part about uh, the Panthers. And that's why previously no one's gone back to back. So it's not just about the players really, is it? It's about the whole organisation. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And obviously the, the cogs of it, you know, from Ivan Cleary to, to his son, to Yo and Toto and Fisher Harris and just these, these key guys and mm. then being able to bring in the juniors throughout that is just... They've got a pretty good system there. Triple M Footy lives on listener. Thanks to McDonald's and Ream Hot Water.